Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pixels Podcast, a podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. As always, we're your hosts, I'm Will, that's Blake, and today we're talking a little D&D B&B, our critical role. Um, is, or, is it, or is it, did I do it in the wrong order? B&B with FCG, talking D&D. That's right, for there CR. we are. <laughs> how long you, how long do you think this acronym thing is going to last think, for us before <laughs> like, I this think is we stupid. can keep it going a while knowing us <laughs> we're going to milk this yeah, yeah. And we're going to add more gonna... <laughs> acronyms as we, as we go along too <laughs> people that just are like please stop so <laughs> <laughs> yeah we uh we back we're here to talk some CR um <clears throat> and actually it's kind of fun because um it's it's Tuesday but Blake mm-hmm just finished the episode so we're coming in like he's got the immediate reaction i've been sitting on it for a while yes Um, will got will got the play-by-play of my text messages and all ranges of emotions (laughs) (laughs) yep it was uh it was fun to watch you go through that um so yeah but before we dive into that uh real quick normal spiel um join our discord it's linked down in the description below where you can freak out with us in real time or in delayed time if you're not watching live, because uh, it's been kind of fun because uh, with you, obviously, like we just talked about, but there's been a few people throughout the week that like are like, I'm just now watching the episode and just to watch them freak out as well. Uh, so you could join yeah. us in that. Um, we got uh, Sunday watch parties in addition to our Critical Role live watch parties. And uh, yeah, it's just a fun place to hang out. Recently, there's been a lot of talk about maybe some D&D campaigns coming together. Um, I can't speak too much more to it because it's not, it's all, it's all you guys, members of the community that are talking about potentially getting it together. Um, so that would be really fun if that starts coming yeah. together. Um, well, yeah. we've had people, we've had people in our discussions or discord have talked about how much they enjoy critical role, but they don't have uh, an actual group that they're with. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, if you guys, you know, want to play with someone who, you know, Get your hopes up, but then where are you not, going with this? End up not end up not wanting to play. Whoa, you know? let's, let's, just, listen, my illustrious co-host. You want to yeah. you want to air out our dirty laundry right now, huh? <laughs> listen, that's uh, two sides to every story. That's oh, not how okay. I see it. But. Uh, yeah, the direct invite and then being declined. Uh, sure, uh, okay, maybe yeah. another time, another place. But uh, oh. two sides to every story, y'all. Just remember that. Um, but yeah, I think if if um our discord, our community became a place where people like got to get some games together, whether it's your first time or not. I think that would be awesome. So um, I've mentioned it. I'll probably dive further into this as it develops, but um, talking about like making some new channels, like specifically for like finding a group or, you know, if campaigns get going for um, specific channels for those campaigns. So there'd be like night and nice and tidy places. Um mm-hmm to do that type of thing. So, um, I just add it to the list of many reasons you guys should be joining the discord. So like I said, the link will be down below. Um, other than that, we just wrapped up our Loki, uh, series that just had its finale. Um, Blake and I both loved it. Um, so if you, if you, uh, were watching that, check that out. And if you weren't watching it, watch it. Cause it was really good. Um, did you ever finish Witcher season three, by the way? No, I still haven't started it. Um, but okay. we're go- so not, I won't get into the whole spiel again, but we kind of had a tradition last year of watching it around Christmas time. So yeah, okay. we're, we're just saving it to do that again. Okay. Since it's the send off, you know? Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, okay. and then only other thing is Worlds Beyond Number recently just started its um second chapter. Um, you guys are probably tired of us saying this at this point, but I know there's a lot of you CR people that have not checked it out yet, and you need to because it's really good. Um, and uh, I mean, what what else can I say? You should you should check it out. Um, but yeah, we'll be putting out our episode on that latest episode maybe tomorrow or soon. In any case, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Any anything else? I don't think so. Alrighty. Well, in that case, let's let's just go ahead and get going. I guess. Um, and to kick things off, like we always do, we will be recapping the episode. Um, and if you find yourself on that recap because we cut it out and host it separately for your viewing convenience, and you would like to see our full discussion, I'm sure this one will be fun. Um, it'll be linked down in the description as well. Um, so yeah, my friend, if you'd like to kick us off this week, this, this freaking episode, man, <laughs> episode 77 of campaign three, the promise and the price, uh, this episode opens up with, it's a late evening at Whitestone in Whitestone at the Whitestone castle. And, uh, Ladna is really wanting to find out more about her background and specifically her connection to Delilah. So essentially her Imogen and Fern go on a little, a little girl's trip, uh, (laughs) through the hallways of Whitestone and along the way, um, it's late at night. Uh, Matt is having her, it wasn't a, um, uh, history check i think it was wisdom wisdom checks to see how well she could recollect things and um as she's rolling she's getting flashes of like different hallways she's been down before kind of remembering this previous life when she was still alive before um her tragic end uh due to delilah uh finally they make their way to this locked door and they're unable to open it um, Imogen has this very clever idea of peeking through the keyhole where she uh, <laughs> summons a Ray Lauren on the other side. Uh, this construct of incredible power who asks, what is it you command of me? And she's like, can you open the door? <laughs> and it's just this funny moment of, sure. <laughs> so the door opens up. Um, they step into what appears to be, and help me if I misinterpreted this, it seems to be maybe the old living quarters of Percy Durolo's parents, uh, or like a family member of the, the Durolo house. Yeah. I think it might've even been his childhood room. Okay. Um, in this room, there is a number of things, most notably a bookshelf, which Ladna sort of instinctively walks over to and pulls a less dusty tome to reveal a hallway, a hidden hallway behind the bookcase. However, the hallway has been, uh, uh, boarded up, so to speak, or it's been bricked up, I guess. Uh, with a sign that reads, um, basically, you're very clever, uh, but go apologize to your mother, uh, which seems to be a note that Percy has left for, um, I guess, Gwendolyn uh, DiRolo. Um, I don't remember how they got through the stone. Uh, I they think basically stone-shaped. Yeah. They make their way through it uh, into this hidden chamber that appears to be a a laboratory of some sort and as they're inspecting things uh three specters come out from the walls 
and immediately recognize Ladna. Uh, initiative is rolled, and this encounter begins against these three ghosts of Whitestone. Uh, not much to say here. We typically cover just the high points from combat. I will say that they are locked in on Ladna throughout this combat, ignoring Fern and Imogen. Uh, but the party basically fights the ghost, defeats the ghost, but not before Ladna, interestingly enough, really um, uh, embraces. It feels like they think that she is Delilah. And so she yeah. full on embraces it and locks into that uh, deep power of Delilah as they absolutely obliterate these ghosts. As combat ends, they are then uh, find themselves in a conversation with Delilah Briarwood. All of them can hear her, and Delilah uh, does confirm their suspicions that these were three servants of Whitestone who Delilah presumably um, did experiments of her own against. Um, and basically, there's a conversation between Ladna and Delilah on like really Lana asking like, "What am I? Like, what is our relationship? Like, what's happening?" And Delilah basically explains that Ladna is her tether to this world. And uh, similar, similarly, Delilah is Ladna's tether in that Delilah, uh, excuse me, Ladna has basically died, and yet she remains because of Delilah's connection to this world. Delilah also mentions that um, the Whispered One has been biding his time, that Delilah is working on his behalf to make sure that the gods, most notably him, uh, doesn't go away. And uh, basically even promises Ladna that there could be, they can talk after all this is said and done, they can maybe talk about um, separating Ladna and Delilah. Uh, but first, Delilah is going to need much more power. And Ladna remembers the moment on the ship um, many episodes ago where she um, broke and consumed the power of the Gnarl Rock uh, Stone. Delilah seems to disappear and Ladna basically turns to Imogen and just says, Hey, it, it's honestly like your classic um, movie. Like, you know, Hey, if something happens, like leave me. Um, and Ladna says, I'm dead weight. Like literally I'm dead weight. And I need you to promise me that if something happens, you'll move on with your life. Uh, Imogen rebuffs that and basically says, no way we will find an answer for you. Um, I don't care what Delilah says. I don't care who the whispered one is. Uh, we got a great line from Laura Bailey about him being slithering, him slithering around in the shadows and being weak. Um, but uh, they make a promise to one another to find an answer. And they basically head back to their quarters to go to sleep for the night. And that's when we go to break. Yes, sir. So <clears throat> we pick up in the second half. Um, everyone basically having taken their long rest for the night. And um, the next morning, um, they're in, I think, three different rooms. So the next morning in Orem and Fern's room, um, they have a bit of a conversation in the morning. Um, <clears throat> Fern starts to tell Orem what happened the night before, but then she's like, well, well, the whole group will talk about it later. Um, but Orem wants to talk to her and just says that um, he, how much he loves her, basically, saying how lucky he is to have found her and mm -hmm. how he loves to see her really coming into her own and blossoming. And he kind of puts the cherry on top of this moment by giving her a gift. And he gives her the spyglass that he stole from the ghost pirates a few episodes ago. So a really sweet moment. Um, then everybody else, they all convene back together in the morning and uh, are 
three lovely lady witches basically fill in the rest of the party on their adventure from the night before. Um, they then decide like, Hey, you know, we're about to go on this crazy mission. Like this might be our last day of just kind of normalcy. Like let's do something fun. And they're like, well, we should go like sledding or something here in Whitestone cause there's snow. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're like, yeah, okay, well let's go sledding. Um, but before they do FCG's like, Hey, wait, like I know why some of us are doing this, but like, I don't know why some of us, some others of us are like, some of us has really good reasons to go save the gods. But for the rest of you, like, why are you doing this? Um, and he specifically calls out, uh, Chetney and Chet says that he wants to do it just because like he's getting old and this is his opportunity for him to really make a difference in the world and leave a legacy and have people remember his name. And, um, that, answer is good enough for fcg um and then he asks orm the same question basically he's like you know why are you doing this and orm's like well you know it started with my my husband and my father but now it's just so much bigger than that if if my sacrifice can save all the lives after then it's worth it and you know so that's why i'm doing it um and that you know is good enough for fcg as well um and fcg kind of similarly has you know the same kind of struggle they've been having the whole time like as you know, is, are they worth it? Um, and this kind of culminates in, again, the witches giving FCG a gift that they had, um, which is a wok <laughs> that they got. And they're like, it matches your color scheme. You can use it to cook. And they're like, okay. Um, they also decide they're going to use it for sledding. So the gang then goes outside to sled. Um, there's a fun little sequence. And essentially Ashton and FCG use the wok to sled and Chetney and Orem use a sled that Chetney, like I think carves out of wood really quick earlier. Um, and so they have a quick little, you know, I think it's like an athletic troll or something. And um, essentially Ashton and FCG bite, bite it completely and end up into the snow. Whereas um, Chetney and Orem just go perfectly Die. down the jumps and <laughs> have a perfect time. Um, <clears throat> so they do this. Uh, and then there's still a few hours before they're going to be meeting up with like the leadership of Whitestone to talk plans. So um, there's a little segment here where a few characters do their own thing. Um, first and foremost, Imogen goes to a temple of the Dawnfather, but she's never done this before, so she doesn't really know what to do. So she asks an older lady there about like, how do I pray? Um, and, you know, she gets some kind of simple instructions and just, you know, speak from the heart type of thing. So she walks up to a nearby altar, <clears throat> takes out her white stone is for lovers t-shirt. Cause that's like the only thing she can even think of as like a kind of offering to like pray with. Uh, and she basically just says that like, Hey, Dawn father, I hope, you know, like we're trying to fix things for you and the gods. And if we're able to, and if everything goes right, I hope that you can maybe help me in return. Cause she wants help with Ladna. Um, she says, I don't want to make like any deals, but I just sure could use some help with what's going Mm -hmm. on with her. Um, She says, thank you. She doesn't get like a a direct response or anything. So she just says, thank you and walks out. And as she does, as she's leaving, she kind of notices in the courtyard nearby, um, her attention is just drawn to a statue of uh, the champion of the matron of raisins. Um, Just this, you know, feathered humanoid figure. And she can hear like a Raven caw nearby. Uh, we then cut to Orem, who is going shopping. So he heads to Gilmore's Glorious Goods, uh, runs into Jerry, who is opening the shop. <clears throat> and Jerry's like, hey, you know, we're stock's pretty bare. Everything's being like conscripted for the war effort. 
Um, and Orm's like, I just need some healing potions. And uh, it's like, yep, we got some. So he buys three for 150 gold. Uh, and then um, Liam's like, can I just look to see if there's anything else here? And so he actually rolls a nat 20 on his perception check. And because of that, he finds like this vial that had like slipped through the cracks. Um, and Jerry tells him like, oh, yeah, we thought that was stolen. Like we marked that as, you know, lost because of that. Um, so here's the deal. I'll, I'll give it to you for 200 gold. And Orum's like, about about 199. Thinking like he's being slick haggling. Uh, Jerry's like, yep, sold. Um, and it ends up being a potion of heroism. Um, so after that, Orum goes to the Slayer's Cake to pick up a bunch of pastries, uh, basically orders a ton and gives them an Electrum piece, and it's going to be delivered to the meeting later. Uh, uh, hang on, I think he orders 50 pies to be delivered in two hours, which, <laughs> excuse me, what? You know, he's got no, no consideration for the bakery's I mean, normal orders. All right, sorry, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. He bought, so he bought a ton of stuff, but specifically a whole apple pie just for himself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so we then cut to Ashton and Fern, who are kind of going on a little a little walk together to speak privately, and they actually go to the clock tower, Percy's clock tower. Um, and they talk about just, you know, how they're going on this crazy mission, and <clears throat> Ashton says, you know, if something were to go wrong, you know, your, your Nana, Maury, would miss you so much, but if something were to happen to me, um, there's no one to miss me. Um, and Fern's like, what are you talking about? And Ashton's like, well, other than you guys, he's like, I'm saying aside from our group here, if something were to happen to me, there's no one to miss me like there is for you. So they start talking about the, uh, primordial shard again. And, um, the two are kind of even being a little flirty during this whole discussion. And Ashton says, Hey, I trust you. Um, can you help me with this? Um, because Fern wants the shard to go to Ashton if Ashton wants it and Ashton does want it, but he says the others probably won't like this idea because we know it's dangerous. So will you help me? Um, and if things go bad, you know, try to help me if, if that happens too. And he's like, I trust you. Um, and I trust that you'll do what needs to be done more than everyone else. And Fern's like, okay, I don't really like know fully what you're asking of me, but like, I I'll help you. Um, <clears throat> So the party then reconvenes. It's time for the leadership meeting. Um, Lady Cassandra DeRolo, Percy's sister, is now here. Um, the baked goods are here. Um, and Percy <laughs> and Allura and Bell's Hells make up the whole group. So Percy's like, hey, a um, couple of options here. We're basically going to make a distraction so that you guys can get to the bloody bridge and get up to the moon unnoticed. Uh, we got a stockpile of residuum. And we've got some complex machines, both of which aren't really widely understood. Um, outside of Whitestone, so we can probably make a good distraction here. So the first thing he offers up are these devices that will let them control or hack, really, an Aormaton and just kind of cause some ruckus as a distraction. So FCG takes those, um, and there is a timer you can set, for, or you can press it and have it go off instantly. Um, they also think that um, an onslaught of illusions could be a good distraction, and Allura will be the one to helm up that. Uh, and they're going to pair these illusions with, like, this cart this wagon of like meat so that like if the illusions are attacked there will be like flesh and blood uh to help it sell it um <laughs> so in addition to those plans allura also gives them two scrolls that will protect them from scrying um she gives them a scroll of greater restoration to use on rin if they find her and a scroll of dimension door she also gives them a potion of speed and two potions of gaseous form 
And finally, Percy gives FCG the custom jeweled baking tin that they requested. <laughs> so the plan is sneak in, recon, sneak back out. Um, and they're basically, everyone is like, we're just ready to go as soon as you guys say you're ready. <clears throat> and they're like, okay, well, the only thing we really need to do is this primordial shard. So they're like, where should we go that would be safe if we're going to try this? Um, and so Percy and Cassandra uh, opt to take them down to the ziggurat beneath Wystone, which is this massive pyramid. Oh, nothing um, bad's ever happened here. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Yeah. And this is massive pyramid with like this kind of green arcane light. Um, they're going to do it here. So Chet gives uh, the harness to Ashton and Fern, um, who are going to kind of go up away from everybody else uh, just as a safety precaution. And Fern's like, I don't think I really want the shard. And Laudna is like, no, like you have to take it. Like you're the only one that can take it. And so Ashton's like, yeah, yeah. Fern's going to take it, but we're going to go over <laughs> here to be safe. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so they kind of ascend up this pyramid a little ways uh, at just out of view and Allura casts this like protective shell around just in case, or she's like prepared to do that. Um, so Ashton and Fern get up there. Ashton's like, Hey, thanks for helping me out. Like, let's just get this over with ASAP. But Fern's like, ah, I don't know about this. And she's worried. And she's like, you just better not die. So she grabs the shard out of the bag and starts taking fire damage as soon as she touches it and basically holds it in front of Ashton, who is now wearing the harness. And so the shard begins to be absorbed by this harness and a gauntlet begins. Um, and for the sake of, of brevity, I'm going to run through this, but essentially what the deal is here is for 10 rounds, AKA a minute, Ashton has to survive as the process of absorbing this shard takes place. And that happens in the, in the way of constitution saving throws for 10 rounds while also taking tons of fire damage. Um, and essentially we find out that a failed constitution throw means you die. Um, yeah. <laughs> so no big deal. Yeah, no big deal. Because as Matt warned them multiple times, one person was not meant to contain two shards. Yeah. We'll talk about that. <laughs> and this we'll is that. the fallout of that. So as this is going on, Ashton literally starts to crumble to pieces, um, taking tons of fire damage. Their arm literally falls off at one point. And Fern is just pumping as much healing as she can, but quickly the party can tell something is, is not going right up there. So ultimately the party all kind of rush up there. FCG is pumping as much healing as possible into Ashton. Um, and basically every round Ashton falls unconscious from the fire damage, but is able to get like immediately put back up between the two heels of Fern and FCG. Um, Ashton does fail the con save though, and just is obliterated into a million pieces, but the pieces hang in the air and reform together um, because Ashton was saved by the ring of temporal salvation that the party got from Deanna. So this continues on until we get to the 10th and final round um, where Ashton successfully makes the final DC and the process is complete. And the whole place is just filled with like this crazy steam and as it dissipates, um, there is Ashton now where their arm was previously gone is now like this muscular, like magma lava arm. Um, and, and instead of like the golden veins that used to be there, they're now like glowing volcanic orange veins. And Ashton thanks Fern for trusting them. And she just runs up and kicks him straight in the face and says, like, I'm <laughs> never listening to you again. 
And the whole table is just kind of like freaking out. And that is where the episode ends. Uh, again, episode 77. Um, and if you're watching just the recap, our link to our full discussion will be linked down below in the description. Man. So, bro, you're you're literally coming in hot, no pun intended, because you, you just watched this. So I know your emotions are still in fight or flight, probably from that last sequence. I was. I the desk went to standing mode as I literally <laughs> was like, you know, like freaking out. At one point, I was like, "God, please!" And then I was like, "God doesn't care about this stupid show." <laughs> but I was like, "Please," because if you've if you've followed us long term. You guys know, I know we always like to joke about Blake loves so many different characters, but I have stand Ashton as my all-time fave for a long time now. Have you? And if he had, and if, I will kill you. And if he dies, if he had died, I was done. I was like, I'm done. No, it's a good Jeremy in here. The lower, the lower guest, bring in Jeremy, you know, um, that it was nuts, man. I it was intense. It was emotionally exhausting, and yeah. there was a point where I was like, okay, because I, I did the time wrong. I was thinking that a round was 10 seconds. So, like, it was around round five where I was like, okay, he's going to be okay. <laughs> They're almost and then, done. Yeah, and then Matt or someone goes, there's five more rounds of this. <laughs> and that's when I was like, he's screwed. Like, this is, we're done. Uh, and then I think it was the eighth round where he's successful, where I was like, it was like, okay, two more rounds. But I thought that the eighth round was the two more rounds. So I was like, okay, just one more. But then it was yeah. like, no, there's still two more. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, dude. And especially, I mean, the chances of he had to beat the DC 11 and then he had to beat the 15 for the last two rolls. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know what the odds are on that, but 10 straight rounds. Uh, surviving through Death Ward. The ring of temporal, uh, what was it? Salvation. Salvation. I mean, bro, crazy, crazy episode. Um, there was a lot to talk about. So, yeah. what was your reaction when you got to see it? I mean, it was real stressful. So, I, I was watching it Thursday night, um, you know, with some of the peeps in the Discord. Everyone was just freaking out. Um, I think a couple of people had to like step away. Um, yeah, it was crazy stressful. it was stressful man <clears throat> um but so, but i loved it i mean i i was obviously very stressed and worried um but i, I but i thought it was awesome like you know that's kind of not that like that's the goal of any entertainment or drama is to like make your heart pound and freak out but like at the end of right. it especially th since things you know ended up okay but even if they hadn't that's kind of what that's kind of what we're here for you know it's this like the yeah intense well, dramatic storytelling moments honestly if you think about it too it was one of the most dramatic moments in the campaign thus far in fact i would say the only other episode that i mean there's been a lot of great moments but like in terms of like peak stress mm -hmm. was uh episode 51 with um is that when everybody died yeah, what dreams may come, I think was the episode name. Um, and yeah, when Laudna, the episode opened up, we ended the previous episode with the death saves and we had to start with the death saves in That's that episode. Right. And she failed. I mean, I almost said spoiler, then I was like, wait, if you're watching this, <laughs> you clearly saw it. <laughs> so 
incredibly intense yeah an amazing episode um i don't think you did based on you know like you said we were texting a little bit and now we're talking but i was wondering if you were going to be able to resist like looking up the spoilers i was very tempted i mean i had seen a couple of I think you had told me not to or something. So I made sure not to. Yeah. Um, you're helping an addict out, you know, (laughs) but, um, I had seen a couple of threads that were very generic. Like, I think one was like, um, it said like the best moment of the campaign so far or something. Mm. And I was like, Oh, what was that? I just have to know. (laughs) And then the other thing was, it was very generic also, but it was something like, um, that moment with Ashton or something like that. Mm. So I was very tempted for both. Yeah. But I resisted. Well, nice. So. And there's been a lot of content, like other than CR, there's been a lot of content for us these last couple of weeks. Yeah. So there's been a lot to like fill, you know, my attention with anyway. But um yeah, I mean crazy, crazy, crazy. Um let's maybe start there, I guess, since it's obviously like the you know peak part of the episode. Um, yeah, well, I do want to start there, but before you do, just because I want to get this out of the way, um, I'm guessing you probably haven't because like we just talked about, you were avoiding spoilers and you just finished the episode, but have you seen any of the reaction to the episode? I haven't because I finished the episode and immediately we jumped on this call. Um, I don't know if you, did you see like my little video? I would hope that you wouldn't have watched it because it would have been like spoilers, but like, I saw you post something, but I didn't watch it. Yeah. So I I didn't remember what the title was either, but I hope the reaction was positive. I mean, this was there negativity about it. Well, yes, a lot. Really? Really? Um, You know, you know, the the little peril social demons that are out there. We've talked about like the toxic subsection of the fan base. I but, I would think everyone this is like peak CR like I would think everyone would I mean what do I know well, I'm just some random dude but okay I didn't know people that people were mad at Matt Tallison and Ashley for their decisions and like they're like I mean I you know it's it's I don't want to it's the vocal minority you know but I like could, I could understand frustration at Matt you know, because you heard me, you heard me when we jumped on the call. I was like, Matt Mercer, man. I can, but I can like understand a, like, not like in a negative way. Yeah, I can I understand mean, like lighthearted, like, oh, Matt, yeah. like, don't kill Ashton. Yeah. But like, you know, people out there actually being mad, being like, I can't believe Matt would do this. Or like, Talison, well, I can't believe he would make that decision. Or, you know, I can't believe Ashley would go through with that. Like, just yeah. the dumbest takes, man. Launching like actual like hate at the cast for these things. <laughs> I think I think my only criticism is would I have done it that way? No. Do I run a multi-million dollar D and D production? No. Does it really matter what I think? Not really. So like I, I think I think ultimately it's just, it's a matter of opinion. Like objectively, I, and, and maybe this isn't objective. I feel like it is. Objectively, there was nothing done wrong in that episode on any party's from any party's perspective. Right. You know, so and that and and honestly, we're obviously biased a little bit because we've we've had this conversation before. Like that is the wonder of D and D is that like there's so much you can do with it. That's the fun of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm surprised that there was so much yeah. negativity. But and 
just to be clear, like I'm not talking about people that just like, you know, had a difference of opinion on things, but I'm talking about the people that are like literally like launching vitriol because like, yeah, the dumbest reasons. And there's like no delineation drawn between the character and the actor. Like people are yeah. launching hate at like at Talison or at Matt. And it's just like, absolutely. So you can, wow. not, not that you need to watch it, but I had, to, I was, I was exhausted it's, by it. So I it, put out a little video calling them to tell yeah. them to go get a life. Do you, uh, <laughs> I know how you deal with trolls. Hopefully you were. <laughs> it's about, it about the same time that I, that one comment sent me over the edge. Uh, um, you know, it honestly, it gives me vibes of the end of calamity when, um, uh, Chetney, not Chetney, uh, uh, oh my gosh, what's Travis's character's name? Sarah. Sarah. Sarah DeGrumpman gets to do his um, redo, like his magic hunter or whatever it was called ability. Yeah, yeah. And there were there were people losing it, losing it in chat when it was live. This is like unequivocally the best piece of content that's ever come out from like a D and D perspective. And there were people losing their minds being rules lawyers. Um, so I guess, I guess in a way it doesn't really surprise me that people would be doing the same thing again. Yeah. It's just annoying. <laughs> and I don't want to spend yeah. too much time on the negativity, but like, cause it was such a good episode. Like yes, again, it fantastic. was stressful. Like we were worried, but yes. like, it was so good. Um, and, and every player we, we keep saying this, man, every player had a freaking amazing time. Like, yeah. did, there was a moment where I was watching Ladna, Ladna, um, I mean, Ladna, but um, Marisha Ray had had her Ladna plushie that she was holding. And, you know, she was in, you know, the different forms of Marisha Ray, yeah. Ray, but she was in, you know, sit up on the chair seat mode. Yeah. Sam Regal even got like, <laughs> it's like on the table yeah. at one point. Yeah. And then Ashley Johnson had like sunk down into her chair, like gripping her, you know, like, yeah. like, isn't this what you want from your players is yeah. like. I mean, that level of engagements, you know, as opposed to we've all been in, in like that D&D sesh where like someone's just casually just like, you know, flipping, huh? What? Oh, yeah, I'll do that, I guess. You know, <laughs> Eld I mean, Eldritch Blast. El Eldritch, like, Eldritch Blast. We're not in combat, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got a shopkeeper, man. Uh, yeah, I'll kill him anyway. Sure. <laughs> um. Anyway, so I, I, I do have some like D&D high level criticism isn't really the right word but ways that i kind of my perspective we can talk about at some point but yeah other than that i mean you know you guys go outside if you're that upset yeah so i i just wanted to to throw that out there now again that being said that doesn't mean that people can't have normal level-headed you know opinions about things what we you and yeah. i are about to get into that right now so yeah um yeah. so yeah just to those people get a life um but yeah, well, let's it, let's just let's just keep the conversation going since we're already on this. Like, it, I think having a legitimate criticism is fine. Attacking someone's like character or who they are as a person is just wild to me. But you know, I think I think from Matt's perspective, which he said it a few times, um, like, hey, I made it very clear. I made it very clear that you you should did. not do this. Um, I mean, he did. But also you have Fern well, saying yeah, you have Fern saying, like, I don't want it. You take it. Yeah. You know? And and so it's like I, I would totally understand my players going. I, I understand Talison going the route that he did. And then also Brennan Lee Mulligan had an awesome quote 
um it was on it was kind of tangentially related to this kind of conversation on how do you punish players for when they don't pick up signals mm -hmm. and brendan lee mulligan had an amazing insight where he basically and this is not between him and matt i just mean in general when your players are in this, these kinds of situations he said you know i think i think i want my players to take risks and to be risky um and to engage with that because if if you don't if you're always looking to punish someone for doing the risky move you'll wonder why the plot's not moving forward. And mm -hmm. again, that's not a criticism that matter or anything, but for me, I I understand why Ashton did it. He has Fern, um, which by the way, they're having their own moment all of mm -hmm. a sudden. I was like, wait, are we shipping this? Is this happening? <laughs> they're having their own moment with Fern being like, you do it, you take it. So I, I totally understand how we got to where we did. Yeah, um, me too. I, I, I feel like Matt was too harsh. But then again, it all worked out and Ashton's alive. So I don't okay. think he was harsh enough, to be honest. Are you kidding me? A DC of 10 for like half the thing. That's like DC so 11. easy. DC 11. <laughs> okay, okay, but that's like so easy unless you roll real bad. DC 11 or you instantly die. Well, right. But like, well, again, like <laughs> you take some DC 11 or you're dead. Right. It's, it's like a three roll third death saving roll. Right. I, I don't, you, I mean, it was intense, but we are rounds. we're talking about the literal oh like gosh, primordial crazy. shard, and he already has one. <laughs> Ivan, like Ivan Trevere said, you know, it'll shatter the vessel if you try to he do more. He should have been one. more explicit. Matt, Ivan Trevere's <laughs> no. both. Ivan Trevere's like specter form should have like popped up and been like, bro. I'm just telling you, man. This, so you will die. <laughs> so I feel like everyone did was well suited for what they did. Like I totally understand Ashton yeah. wanting to take it. I mean, I I would have been cool with Fern taking it too. That's something we talked about. But like this is very much been Ashton's storyline. So I could you know like <clears throat> I I don't fault him at all for wanting it. Um especially because Ashley wasn't like die hard about it either. I think if she would have been like, "Oh, you know what? Like Towson, I really do want that." Then I, I think, think he would have been cool with that. Yeah. Um, because this this is something they even talked about on the most recent episode of Foresight of Dive. I don't know if you saw it or not. Um, no, uh -uh. but I, I, they both <laughs> Talison and Ashley were on the episode, and I I don't want to like misquote it, so I'm not like saying verbatim. But the essential vibe was that Ashley didn't really want it; she wanted whatever Ashton wanted. Um, so I think you know, to like I totally understand where Ashton's coming from, and then I totally understand where Matt came from because I feel like it's not as if he like sat down and said like yo Talison like don't do this because that's not what you're supposed to do as a DM you're supposed to leave it like weave in a couple of like those warnings which I think he did and I think his like I I disagree though <sighs> I think he, I think there's times you can be deliberate I think pulling in worlds beyond number when Suvi was going to kill uh the guard earlier in the story and Brennan said if you do this it, it will forever change what happens to you like you need to make a a decision here and not that matt needs to do that also but like i feel like you can't on one hand be like oh i totally understand why ashton did what he did but then also be like matt should have been harsher on literal death rolls well like, I don't I, let, i'm not let's not speak about like my he should have been harsher i'm just talking about what happened yeah. like i think okay. matt yeah suitably set that up the yeah, risk I would agree. I would the risk because yes. he said it as a Von yes. and then again as yes. a Laura, there was another conversation about it. Yeah. So I I just was saying that like as far as Matt goes, and like Matt was some level of like 
stressed and distraught. And I think that was just because like he felt his mm. duty like to be true to the game, you know, not to yeah. just like, okay, well, I'll make this a lot easier because I don't want to kill my player. Like that I that would have been lame if he had done that, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. So I thought that like he was just like, man, like you did this. So like I'm just being true to like what was set up here. Um I think and I think that's maybe a healthy way to frame it is it's not Matt wasn't punishing Ashton. Right. Yeah. But rather, but ra- I love how you said it. Like there was suitable, there was a suitable setting of risk of like, and, and Talison even said it, I think around like five or six, like I knew I was swinging big, you know, <laughs> I knew this was a big yeah. decision. Um, I will say, I love, I don't know who said this originally, but um, the dice tell the story. I love how it played out. Yeah. I mean, definitely a high point for the campaign, a very gutsy, ballsy move. Um, and I'm very curious what happens like power level wise. Yeah. I mean, Laura Bailey joked about it. Like, you know, all right, we got Ashton on the moon. Like, what else are we doing? Like, what else is everybody <laughs> else doing? So, right. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm very curious how this gets settled power wise. Me too. I'm very interested to see, like, like, you know, one vessel wasn't supposed to hold two shards but here we are which that makes the payoff that much more worth it you know since it was since death was right there on the table and shout out abria for that ring like yes wouldn't have been possible without it and shout out chetney for not wanting it or wanting those boots or whatever that he wanted yeah Um, yeah (laughs) and and also he didn't remember he had it to what was it like round five yeah like around there and then it got used like a round or two later yeah i mean and also matt's description of him dying that was so like literally exploding and then coming back together was also really cool yeah i can't wait to see some well i guess one we're gonna get official new art but i can't wait to just see some cool fan art of of new action i, as I well. can't wait to see campaign three animated dude the whole time oh. i was just like thinking about this scene and i was like yeah oh, please give me campaign three animated it's got i mean unless like you know something crazy happens i feel like it's an inevitability um yeah, but yeah and another moment that just came back to me that was like so cool and tense in this whole thing was uh the health potion evaporating yes that was <clears throat> yes that was awesome um but yeah i uh okay kind of not not moving away but kind of segueing into a new element of this is what does this look like now and i kind of have two questions for you obviously there's going to be some sort of boon associated with it um unique entity in like the history of Exandria really. So like clearly there's going to be some boons, but like uh, this is an interesting challenge for Matt, because how do you like make that satisfying, but also not make it like Ashton's effectively like seven levels higher than everyone else. You know, I think, I think you have to play it out as like an awakening process. Like he's done with the vestiges and other Mm, like powerful items is like, Hey, you've, you've, You've consumed this one shard. You've presumably awoken the dormant shard that was already in you, but you're gonna need you're gonna need to learn to harness this power a little bit. Um, and I think sometimes when that happens, it gives it gives the other players story reasons to also advance their characters. Mm-hmm. Um, other otherwise, it is really. I mean, it's not like having a freaking rogue in your D and D party. Is you know, one person does like eight points of damage, and then the rogue does like forty points, and you're like, "All <laughs> right, Dak. cool, yeah, yeah." <laughs> and he's flanking him, right? So okay, <laughs> you're like, 
Yes, yes, yes. Um, but all that to say, um, yeah, I mean, there's going to have to be some kind of level, there's some, some level of parity here. Um, I'm very, I would really want to see um, Ashton's character sheet after this. Like, I just want to, I just want to know. Yeah. Um, Cause I also wonder, I wonder if Matt, I don't know if Matt actually said it. He said, I didn't expect you to do this. So what Matt probably wrote out for this, the boons you're talking about, I think, I think we all kind of thought it made most sense, the most sense on Fern. Mm -hmm. I, I do think he's going to rewrite that, rework that a little bit um, yeah. where it does make sense. And maybe even like wherever the ceiling was for Fern, maybe it's even farther for Ashton, but he's going to have to, he's going to have to work up to it would be my guess. Yeah. I think it'd be really cool to like have that opportunity too as the DM to like be like, ooh, now I can play with like this brand maybe like not a brand new element, obviously, but now like with earth and fire mixed together, like what does that create for Ashton? Um mm -hmm. so I'm excited to see that. And I'm also wondering <clears throat> again, clearly it's gonna be a boon, but I'm also wondering if there will be any penalties kind of to represent the like chaos of housing two shards beyond just obviously the ex extremely crazy process of getting it to begin with. But like, could there also be setbacks due to that mm -hmm. as well? Not saying it would be like FCG's stress point system, but like something kind of like akin to that. We're like, okay, you know, mm -hmm. you all about this awesome stuff, but there's also this chaos happening inside of you. And this is the drawback of that. Or if it will just be good things. Mm-hmm. I could see that for sure. And it, it, again, it, I think even like mastering those drawbacks is another like story reason for why. Um, Cause let's think about this objectively. You're taking the two strongest Titans um, that had never been defeated by the gods, but instead had been imprisoned. And now you hold both shards of them. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's a world out there where Ashton just immediately levels up to 20 and <laughs> you know, is yeah. jacked. You know <laughs> totally so, i was but, wondering if um if there was going to be an entire new like ashton the earth genasi was going to be like ashton the lava genasi now and like that was gonna yeah. be like not just the arm um which clearly we we only got the arm but i'm curious if it might spread or evolve as as time goes on i i wondered that too if maybe like ashton would explode at the end even being successful and there'd be like a fire elemental version of him. Yeah. You know, kind of like uh Keyleth and uh, the animated uh, Fox mm. Machina. Yeah. When she becomes the whatever. Um, that's kind of where I wondered. I was like, is this going to go there? But um, just so freaking cool, man. I want to see, yeah, like you said, the fan art with like the molten like slag arm. Yeah. is really cool. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I just can't wait to see this fan art. And like you said, animated just of like the, him crumbling as the thing is going on yeah. like i mean metal man we we knew it was bad when it was like round three and his arm fell off you know yeah. it was like oh. it's like oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> yikes know. um okay so one other element regarding this whole situation um that i did want to touch on is the whole fern ashton element um they were clearly flirty. I mean, there was even a kiss that was involved. I don't know how I'm parsing it fully. Um, I do think there's like flirty feelings there, obviously. But on some level, I'm wondering if it was also just 
not manipulation. Like, I don't want to go that far. So I don't really know exactly what I'm saying, but like, I, Tal or Ashton kind of used for was like, you think he was like kind of buttering her up to like support what he was wanting to do. I'm, I'm trying to parse the line there of how much, cause I think both things can be true. True. You know? Yeah. So I was just going to see how you parsed it. Yeah. I didn't see it that way. Um, I saw it. I saw it like Talison really knowing his character could potentially like this could be his last episode with that character. And yeah. not only was he swinging for the fences in terms of like the risk of the decision, but it was like, yeah, I'm going all out. And, um, you know, in my Ashton, my Ashton's a sweetie pie, <laughs> you know, always, always first it was maybe Ladna, you know, whenever these you know sparks are flying a little bit. Um, but I, I could see it that way. And I wouldn't, I also wouldn't have a problem if that was what Ashton was, um, would have a problem in general. I would have a problem with people doing that, but <laughs> I would understand why yeah. Ashton took that route. Um, and for my money, even if that is the case, like, I don't think it was a purely like, you know, sociopathic manipulation. Right. I'm just saying that like, there was an element of that. Yeah. Um, but I do think there right. was genuine, like flirtatious feelings. Like, I don't think it was, mm -hmm. you know, I don't think he was Patrick Bates. Is it Patrick yeah. Bateman? Patrick Bates? Patrick, Patrick Bateman. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think we've talked about this before, but I've, I've always been more team Chet Fern. So maybe that's, maybe that's partially where I'm coming from with this too, but, uh, true. Yeah. I didn't, I just didn't know what to make of it. And, you know, she was clearly mad, kicked him in the face at the end. Yeah. Understandably. So I'm still team Ashton Laudna. Do we think, is that a possibility <laughs> still? Or maybe, a, maybe a thruples <laughs> on the table. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I kind of wonder, like, honestly, this was so peak Fern, like Chaos Demon. Mm -hmm. Like, you just, you really no, never know what Fern is going to do. Um, True. By the way, I forgot something in the recap. The uh, Delilah talking to Fern mm. and the throwback to EXU. Right. Uh, so if you guys watch this episode and Delilah mentioned to Fern, like, hey, there's a darker version of you that you've seen it yourself. This is a callback to a really big moment in, in season one of EXU where Fern essentially, they're looking at a, a portal to the Feywild, but seemingly a different time. And she sees herself, uh, but wearing a dark, presumably wearing the circlet of barbed vision, but basically a, a dark version of herself. Um, I love how Matt had a callback to that. Yeah. But I, I thought the shard maybe was going to be the mechanism for mm. that. Now I'm wondering, I'm wondering back to what is next for Fern. She didn't want the shard. Well, what, what is her pathway? Yeah. Um, is it Asmodeus? I don't know. Yeah, that was really interesting. Cause how did Delilah even know that? Yeah. You know? Right. <clears throat> um, but it was also, I guess we're, I don't want to like fully move away from the whole ritual that we've been talking about unless we're ready to. I think I, I think the last thing I'll say is I just really loved it. That's all I'll yeah. I'll me add too. On to it was fantastic episode. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, calling back to the first half of the episode now with the whole Delilah thing. Um, with one, just thought it was really interesting that we get some some progress there with what's actually happening. Um, Lala, they're tethered, which we basically knew. Mm -hmm. Um, but now we got some insight on kind of Delilah's motivations, which is something we've been kind of speculating on the whole campaign of like, is she still tied to, to Vecna? Like, is she still like trying to 
do best by him or is she kind of on her own now? Well, now we know that she is still tied to the whispered one um, and basically wants the gods to survive so that Vecna will survive. Um, and basically says, you know, and if they don't, Laudna's gone too, because Vecna's gone, I'm gone, which means Laudna's gone. Um, and I just, one, I'm wondering if that's true or if that's, you know, manipulation to help get her way. Um, but yeah, two, I'm just really interested to see like where this storyline goes, because it's something we've talked about, I think recently too, about like, when are they going to handle that with everything else that's going on? Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not really like leading to like a specific question to ask you or anything, but I just thought it was really interesting that that's becoming a greater and greater presence, even like literally even to where like the other characters can now hear her voice. Yeah. And this has been, this is a, this has been a continual thread since episode, um, maybe two or three. I, I can't remember when it was, but you know, Imogen and Ladna going to the, um, I can't remember what it's called, the conservatory in Drusar. Yeah, the starlight it, something. Yeah, part of it was to learn about Imogen, but they also wanted to know what was going on with Ladna. And eventually yeah. that conversation transitioned to, um, is it, I think when she was actually going through the books, is there anything about separating a person from their patron? Mm, yeah. Um, was the deliberate conversation about it. So... It's cool that this is still a continual thread and seemingly is going to play out in some way. Um, I do wonder if it's going to be like a you can you can substitute one patron for another, which is what I feel like what is what Matt was hinting at when Lot uh, Imogen heard the call of the Raven from the Matron of Ravens was like maybe there's a pathway there of you know the the god of she's the god of death. Is that, or is that the whispered one? Uh, no, undeath. she's she's the god of of death. Essentially, I think there's like yeah. a few different like realms, but death essentially. So it, it seemed like there might be a pathway there of, you know, the matron to become her raven. Um, which we kind of we kind of thought maybe something was happening with um, the sun tree potentially, right? But she seemingly has moved away from that. We haven't seen that characterized as as it did before, uh, previously. Yeah, that was my interpretation of the Raven. I I don't know what were you thinking. I I mean, not that I wasn't thinking that. I just I guess hadn't gone that deep with it. What I took from that was that like, hey, Imogen, you knocked on Pelor's door, the Dawnfather's door. You should go knock on the Matron's door. Meaning mm. like that's who she should go ask for help. But I guess you could take that a step further, being that like, no, that's yeah. who Laudna should go look to. Um, which I think that's entirely possible. Um, but yeah, that would be an, and I mean, clearly Matt did that for a reason. He's kind of scooting them that way, which I think is interesting given the whole, everything else that's going on with the matron with Vax and the visions they've been getting, but then also the lewdness connection. I think true. I, I think this kind of content needed to happen because even with the party being like, all right, we're team God. Now it's been so flimsy and flat and like, all right, fine. Um, th- there needs to be a compelling reason to help the gods for it to really like truly make sense. Mm. And more importantly for Imogen to choose Ladna over Liliana. Mm. I-, I think, I think the gods is, is most quickly attached to Ladna 
um, that gives her a compelling reason for whatever potential showdown could be happening down the road. Yeah. Um, so I loved it. And, and by the way, Laura Bailey's um, prayer to the Don father was so um, that conversation. And then also her prayer there. And then her conversation with Laudna before the break, um, we had some very uh, just gut wrenching moments this episode. Yeah. So good. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really liked giving giving Imogen like a front and center reason to truly care about the gods, like you said. Um, I really, I'm kind of hoping for like a really, not like which button are you going to press moment necessarily, but like a really like gut-wrenching decision if it comes down to it between kind of her mom or not, or Laudna, but you know what I mean. Um, mm -hmm. I think that'll be very interesting. So yeah, and like FCG kind of brought it up this episode, but really for the most part, um, everyone has a pretty compelling reason to be on the God side, you know, Chetney's is legacy, but, um, you know, I think they do finally have a pretty cohesive reason. I'm no longer, except for in the hyper specific case of Imogen, if it comes down to like her mom's involved somehow, I don't really see anyone like really being turned to the other side at this point. Mm -hmm. With our current slate of information, if the information changes, maybe things change. But, um, you know, because I, I don't know, it's been a big thing. We've been I mean, I, don't, I know I'm rambling now, but like Yvonne Trevier said, they're really being positioned uniquely to make that decision about mm -hmm. like, you know, are the gods chill or not? So. I don't know. Now, I don't know. Like, is there going to be something else that kind of makes them waffle maybe a little bit? But. I think they waffled a lot and it was kind of tiresome after a while of like, True. you know, all right, this conversation let's, again, let's talk about it again. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm okay with like, all right, we've finally decided, you know? Yeah. So, um, it, I think it is, I don't think it still makes it any simpler. I mean, I think it's still right. when that decision happens, it'll still have like a level of complexity to it. Um, but speaking of what the decision might look like, they're presumably heading to the bloody bridge very soon. Um, I was a little apprehensive with how much loot they were being given. I was like, Matt's given them a lot of resources here. <laughs> like, are we about to head into something pretty, pretty scary? Yeah, <clears throat> you're right. It was a lot, but on the same hand, it wasn't like a bunch of powerful magic items. It was like a bunch of one use Right. Like scrolls and potions and stuff. So, right. Um, I feel like that was kind of a good, a good line, you know, cause like you don't want to just give them a bunch of MacGuffins. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely like, I don't, who knows how this is going to play out. Like we got the level of there's a distraction happening. So even if that goes flawlessly, that just gets them there, you know, right. like who, there's, I feel like there's lots and lots of room for things to go poorly. And as they like kind of mapped out themselves, there is no, all right, let's get out of here. Things are going bad. They have to go back to the bloody bridge and come back down. And then they're in the middle of that camp. So even if they do that successfully, there's no guarantee that they'll be able to teleport out without any, without a hitch. Yeah. You know, they then have to like get somewhere or at least for however many, uh, I don't know how long it takes to channel the staff, but, um, I have a hard time envisioning them coming back. Um, and we've said this as much, not coming back as if they're going to die. They might, 
but um, we've said this a lot on the podcast that this Ruidus feels like the end game. Now, whether the end game's 10 episodes or 30 episodes, um, I, I am fully expecting them to be up there on a scouting mission that actually ends up being um, the, the end duration of the story. And it, also make, it would also lend itself to why um, uh, no one's coming to save them because it's like, oh, they're on a scouting mission. They'll be back any day now, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I don't I don't, know. What's your take? I don't know, man. Cause I mean, it's, it's D and D it could go, it could go any which way at the end of the day. Like, you know, the dice tell the story that clearly is going to have an impact as well. But like, I think I'm with you like narratively and, and, and generally I, I'd agree that like, it's not going to go smoothly up there. And that one thing's going to lead to the next and the next. And, you know, like you said, if it's 10 episodes or it's, if it's 30, it does feel like that's kind of, where stuff's going to happen. But like I said, it's D and D anything could happen. I could just as easily see it. There are reasons for coming back for whatever reason, like maybe Ludinus isn't there right now. Like maybe he's, you know, like, so there's infinite possibilities, but feelings wise, I agree with you. Um, but I don't know where I'm like landing firmly as to if that's going to actually happen or not. Cause what what is this episode seven? Blah, blah, blah. This was episode seventy seven. Um, we can't not we can't take anything for certain here, but it does feel like there's probably a good chunk left. Mm-hmm. So like I don't know if I necessarily see the next fifty episodes all being on Ruidus as like if they go there next two episodes or whatever. True. Um, so I don't know. I this is not an answer. I've given you a complete non answer, but I don't know, man. Yeah, it's hard to know how much of the story is left to tell. I mean, if it is 50 episodes, yeah, that's, <clears throat> that's a lot. So, Because they're level 14, right? Is that right? Level 11. Okay. That's right. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they could do anything. They, they've they said that this campaign would, you know, kind of be different. And I think it already has been in a lot of ways. So it's not like as if I'm, like, expecting something to fulfill that promise because I think we're yeah. there. but. Um, just because of that, I don't, I don't, anything could happen. So yeah, I, in a perfect world, scouting mission goes great. I do think they come back and then it's like recruit allies and I don't know, just get stronger. I don't know. Who knows? I, I do feel like they're at the point now they could take on Autohan. Yeah. Like there's been some big swings, um, in the last, you know, 30 episodes so that definitely feels like the villain at least at this stage like if this does go another 50 episodes maybe they're more prepared to fight lewdness but like if it is anytime soon autohan definitely feels like the bbeg for them yeah surely Um, they're heading to eventually fighting lewdness right but even then i mean again we've talked power gap that's been the name of the game (laughs) for this campaign but level 20 plus wizard or sorcerer hundreds of years old um i yeah i i'm very curious <laughs> it's like how do you even with them continually getting stronger i'm like but it does feel like any other final bad guy i just have a hard time envisioning what that might be like yeah me too and i mean again it's D, so like really anything could happen but like maybe maybe it's getting set up for like a final fantasy craziness like 
where he does absorb Perdathos and Ludinus becomes like this Omega God. And if in that case, isn't divine... he even isn't he even stronger than? Well, yeah, I mean... but like maybe like the Divine Gate is down, and so like maybe the other gods like help, and there's some sort of like yeah. crazy battle scenario thing that yeah, happens. It's like yeah, the summoning system from yeah, <laughs> Final like, Fantasy, like so like maybe that kind yeah. of bridges the power gap. Or, yeah. you know, I mean, who knows? Matt could handle it a number of ways, but maybe, you know, Vox Machina and Mighty Nine handle that and Bell's Hells takes Odahan or something. Um, I think that'd be too dissatisfying. I mean, Odahan's a great villain for sure, but um, I would assume probably Liliana will be like the thing that hell. I think them flipping Liliana is one potential. But then again, Liliana seems pretty resolute. So, yeah, I think you're right that there will be something that kind of attempts to level the playing field a little bit so yeah maybe maybe it's ashton with whatever's going on there now um so yeah i think there's i think there's a lot of it's just however matt cooks it up right but i think i have faith that he'll do it in an interesting and satisfying way um but yeah without knowing like really how much of this story is left it's hard to kind of guess how this gets mapped out but yeah certainly Mm -hmm. if it's if it is anytime soon I don't know how they're doing it. Yeah. Who man, this is getting a little too much for me. I'm just yeah. like, thinking about them going to the bloody bridge now. I'm like, <laughs> geez, man, like this is kind of wild. So, uh, what else from the episode? Is there anything else? Um, I want to talk about, um, let me, let me look through the notes. We've talked about this before. It's not really like a big talking point or anything, but I definitely do feel like Ladna is Delilah's phylactery. I don't know if like that word would ever be like uttered, yeah. but like in yeah. terms of the mechanics of what's happening mm-hmm. there. Um, so I think that's a very interesting problem to solve, which we know the Imogen is trying to mm-hmm. solve it by talking to the gods, but um, I'm just really interested to see what's going on there, especially since, you know, Vecna was like a, a lich then it kind of makes sense as to why she would know how to do that um and would also explain like why ladna is uniquely the way she is um when was it delilah when she said that she was wanting to um she mentioned her love is she wanting to bring back uh what's his face uh silas silas yeah yeah probably that's like her entire motivation and character arc through these things so i'm sure i guess she's just still looking for a way to do that um yeah i mean we yeah i mean we definitely there's basically those two stressful events the whole which we talked about it but it is kind of like ladna does not seem well with how like much she is leaning into empowering delilah and like embracing that like it's kind of messed up that like these ghosts they were clearly tortured and abused by Delilah. Like she almost like reveled in the fact that like, well, I'm going to become as Delilah as possible and really like stick it to you, yeah. you know, like, yes, they yeah. were attacking her and I'm not saying they should have just like held hands in Kumbaya, but like not a, not a healthy thing to do. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of a theme too, is like everyone's always seemingly on the brink of just like embracing their darker yeah. side. Um, I, yeah, I am curious if anyone's going to be like, hey, Lonnie, you should probably tone that down a little bit. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't lean so far into it. Delilah's like super evil. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. But, uh, I think that's pretty much it. 
Okay. Well, let us know what you guys thought about this episode. And of course, uh, we'll have our watch party uh, for the next episode this Thursday in the Discord. So feel free to join and enjoy that with us. Uh, we'll have a watch party on Sunday as well. And um, yeah, stay tuned, I guess. Anything else? I think that's it. All right. We appreciate you guys. Party See ya. Till next time.